What am I even doing up here? I'm not sure. Uh, CLR, how are we feeling tonight? Y'all good? Okay. We just want Kanye, Kendrick. I don't even know what just happened, but that was amazing. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate that. Um, hey, everybody doing all right? Y'all good? Cool. If we've never met before, my name's Matt. Super excited for tonight. Tonight is a night that we've had circled on the calendar. April 9th, 2018 is a night that we've had circled on the calendar really since the start of the semester back in January. Tonight is Vision Night at the Living Room, and if you haven't picked up on it yet, the theme of tonight is really just this one word that we're rallying around. It's the word one. One. Because I don't know if you've picked up on this, and maybe this is your first time here, and you're like, what is happening? Like, is this church, you know? Or maybe you've been coming a couple times, maybe this is your first time back in a while, and you're just like, whoa. But if you just kind of pause and look around, um, we're all really different. Like, there's probably close to 300 college-age students in the room tonight, but yet we're all different. Like, we all have different interests. We're all unique. We all have different majors. And many of us are, are from the state of, of Georgia. Many of us are not. There's people that are from states all across America. There's people that are from different countries all across the world. If I were to ask you to raise your hand tonight if you're in the room, which, let's just do it, um, just because I'm curious. Raise your hand if you're not from the United States of America, if you were born in a different country. Check that out. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, I don't even know how many hands that is, but that's a lot of hands. And we're all really different, but yet when we come together on Monday nights, we're one. We're one. And there's power in that. And tonight we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's to come here at the living room, so I'm super, super excited. But before we get there, I just need to ask you guys a question tonight, and I need you to be real. I need you to be honest with me. It'll just go a lot better if you are. And my question is this. Do you ever struggle with finding your car in the parking lot? Okay. Anybody? Cool, cool. A few of you. I think there's a few more of you. Some of you are just lying. You don't want to admit it. It's cool. Um, but I struggle with it. Like, it's a, it's a huge struggle in my life to find my car in the parking lot. For example, like a month ago, I was at Kroger, and I, 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 my first bad decision was I went to Kroger on Saturday afternoon, not a good choice. Um, but I come out with like a, a you know, cartload of groceries, and I'm looking for my car, and I'm like, man, I, it was over here somewhere, but I can't really find it. So then I'm like, I think it was maybe over here. I don't know. And so now I'm just like walking up and down the aisles, and like people are starting to look at me like, what are you doing? This is not that big of a parking lot. So now I'm like pulling my phone out and acting like I'm just talking and just walking, and you know, I'm kind of doing one of these, and they're like, this doesn't make any sense. But maybe you can't relate. You're like, okay, Matt, like, come on. Or, or maybe you're kind of frustrated because you're like, bro, just pull out the keys and double click the, the lock button. You know? Yeah, yeah. I drive an 07 Cobalt. That, it's broken, okay? Get off my back. Um, recently just upgraded. I got my wife's old car. She got a new one. Anyways, it's all good. Um, so but maybe you're like, Kroger, come on, that's weak. But let's, let's take it to the next level, okay? And if you struggle finding your car at Lenox Mall, all right? A few more of you, maybe. All right. So I personally believe this is the reason they do valet at Lenox, okay? Maybe there's other reasons, but I think it's just that you don't have to put yourself in a shameful, embarrassing moment where you can't find your car. See, because now it's not that you're walking up and down aisles. Now you're like, do I, did I park in that lot? Did I park in that? Did I, did I even come in this entrance? I don't know. Maybe I came in by the Nordstrom. I, I, don't, I don't even know. But maybe some of you are like, no, 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 I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, I can find my car in a grocery store lot or even in a mall lot. But let's take it to the next level. Any of you struggle with finding your car in the city of Atlanta? Okay, like you park downtown in the city of Atlanta and you struggle with that? 
Okay, because now it's not just rows or aisles. Now it's not even just lots. Now it's like garages. And you're like, okay, am I in this garage or that garage? Which floor of the garage am I even on? Oh my goodness, it can quickly be upgraded to like a state of emergency where you're like, I need to call 911 and report a lost or stolen vehicle because I'm stranded in the city of Atlanta. Like, this has happened to me. Um, Okay, so I'm just being real with you. And I think a lot of us can relate. Like, it's easy to, to lose vision on where you parked your car. And yeah, it's frustrating, like maybe it disappoints you, but at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. But, I, but I've learned a few things that can kind of help us, or at least this helps me. Um, I came up with these. This is just free. Feel free to take notes. Type this in on your phone. This could, this could potentially change your life. It's, it's almost changed mine. And it's this. The first thing you do when you get out of your car is you pause. Okay, so you step out, and even if you're in a rush, you, you got time for just a one-second pause, just a little, you just pause, Okay. Then you reflect. You start like kind of looking around and just, just, just soak it in, just reflect a little bit. Then you take some time to imagine. And y'all are like, dude, you're, you have issues. Okay, yeah, I do, I do, I'm with you. But just stick with me. You imagine for a second. Now at this point, like you really look around and you soak everything in and you just start to, you know, look at all the landmarks and the things around you. Then you go. You pause, you reflect, you imagine, then you go. And since I've been doing this over the past year or two years, I have like a 96, 90% success rate in finding my car. The other 10% of the time, it just it takes a little bit longer, but I still eventually find it. But it's helped me out so much in the end. And again, it's easy to, to lose vision of where your car is parked. But I think it's just as easy to lose vision in your own life. And if we can even be a little bit more specific tonight, I think it can be easy for us to lose vision here at the living room. To forget why we're doing what we're doing. To forget what the whole purpose of gathering on Monday nights even is. But here's the deal. If you lose your car in a parking lot, there's not much at stake. Like, you can find it, it'll cost you some time, but at the end of the day, like, who cares? But there's a lot more at stake if we lose vision here at the living room. In fact, I'll put it this way. There are over 80,000 college students in the city of Atlanta within our reach. 80,000 college students who potentially could lose vision on what their hope is in life, on what their purpose is, on where they're going. They could lose vision on their faith. And so tonight, tonight we're going to pause. Tonight we're going to reflect. Tonight we're going to imagine or dream. And tonight we're going to go. We're going to move. Because it's super important. There's a lot at stake here. And so there's this amazing story that's found in the Bible, and it's the Gospel of Luke. Luke um, really is like an investigative reporter. Everything that he writes um, in, in, in his Gospel is, is super detailed. And so we pick this up in Luke chapter 19, and beginning in verse 1. This is an incredible story that's going to help us out a lot tonight. So check this out. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Here it is. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and, and was wealthy. So Jesus enters into Jericho, but he's just passing through. So he's entering into Jericho. He's passing through on his way to the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is like a major city at the time. So there's a lot happening there. There's going to be tons and tons of people. So Jesus is just passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. But as he's passing through Jericho, there's a man in Jericho by the name of Zacchaeus. And it says Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So it's important to note here that in this time, in this day and age, in this culture... A tax collector was someone who like, had a really, really bad reputation. 
Like, this is a person that would lie. It's a person that would cheat. It's a person that would try to steal money from you. Because their job was this. Their job was not only to collect the taxes that you rightfully owed, but then whatever else they could get you to pay, they could keep that. They could put that in their pockets. So they would lie to you. They would cheat. People hated the tax collectors. And it says that Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector. So I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if that means that he was the boss of all the other tax collectors. I don't know if that means that he was the best at what he did, like he you know, got people to give him the most money. But it means, we could sum it down to this, it means that people knew who he was and people hated him. They did not like Zacchaeus. So keep going, verse 3. It says he wanted, speaking of Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, he had heard the stories of the miracles and the things he was teaching and how there were crowds everywhere that Jesus went, and he wanted to see Jesus for himself. But it says because he was short, because he had an obstacle in the way, he knew it was going to be tough for him to see over the crowd. And I wonder if if any of you can relate with that tonight. And I'm not talking about relating with the fact of being short, okay? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm 5'3". Okay, I'm, I'm short as well, like... A um, couple years ago, I was speaking on a stage, and I got off the stage, and this person came up to me afterwards, and they're like, hey, you know, great, great sermon, whatever, and they're like, wow, you're a lot taller on stage. You are pretty short, and I'm like, thanks. I'll take that as a compliment. That's awesome, you know? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, I wonder if you can relate with the fact that all of us at some point or another in our lives are going to have an obstacle that stands in the way of us and Jesus, an obstacle that stands in the way of us taking our next step in our faith journey. And I don't know what that could be for you tonight. Maybe that's your family. Like your family is literally an obstacle that's keeping you from moving forward in your faith. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your fears, your insecurities. I don't know what it could be for you, but what I know is true for all of us is that all of us eventually will have an obstacle that could potentially stand in the way of us seeing Jesus, of us moving forward in our faith. And Zacchaeus knew that this could be an obstacle for him, but he didn't stop there. We keep going. Verse 4 says, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So Zacchaeus knew that, like, in just a little bit, Jesus is going to be passing through this way. So Zacchaeus is like, whoa, I got to get there. So he runs. Okay, now in this culture, again, we need to pick up on this. Running for a grown man was, like, not something that you do. Like, grown men don't run, okay? That's just, that's just not what happens. So he first, he starts running, which is like, That's weird. What are you doing? But then he takes it a step further. He climbs up into a tree. And we can understand this pretty clearly because even in today's culture, like right now, if you see a grown person, a grown man climbing a tree, like you're looking for the child, right? You're like, where's the child that he's climbing with? And if there's no child, you're like, he's drunk. Like, what are you doing? You know, like this is not normal. So Zacchaeus runs and then he begins to climb a tree. We keep going. It says, Jesus reached the spot. He looked up and said to him, pause. This is a crucial moment in this story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. But not only that, this is a crucial, critical moment in our story. Because at this point, Jesus is passing by. It says he looks up and he he says to Zacchaeus, and he could have said a lot of things to Zacchaeus. Like Jesus knew who this guy was. He knew what Zacchaeus had done. And he could have looked up and been like, Zacchaeus, what are you doing? You look like a fool. He could have just mocked them, just like all the other people were, and the people, the crowd, that would have pleased the crowd. They'd have been like, yeah, that's right, you're, you know, whatever. He could have looked up at Zacchaeus and he could have been like, Zacchaeus, like, do you know what you've done? Like, 
I don't have time for you right now. Like, this is inconvenient. I'm trying to get through Jerusalem. I'm just passing through. Like, he could have completely ignored him. And I think in our lives, almost every single day, but for sure every single week, we have moments, we have opportunities where we see people that we could stop and we could speak to. We could possibly help them. We could empathize with what they're going through. We, we could maybe give them an invitation. But I think oftentimes, if you're like me, your response is, uh, it's, it's inconvenient. I don't have time for that. I got to be in class in five minutes. I'm hungry. What if people see me talking to this person? Like, that's, that's weird. What if they respond? Like, I don't, uh, that's outside my comfort zone. Like, I'm not going to do that. So what was Jesus' response to this situation? Check it out. It says, Jesus reached the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he looks up and he calls him out by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Get down from the tree. I must stay at your house today. So Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm not going to call you out for all the things that you've done wrong. You know the things that you've done wrong, most likely. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm not going to like you know, humiliate you in front of all these people. He says, just come down from the tree. I want to go, and I want to pursue a relationship with you, Zacchaeus. Like, I want to get to know you. I want to spend time with you. And in this moment, Jesus shows us that everyone matters. Everyone matters. And maybe you're in the room tonight, and you feel like you can relate with Zacchaeus. Because you're like, yeah, well, I don't really feel like I matter right now. I don't really feel like I have that much worth. At least other people don't think that. My reputation, the things I've done, the things I've said, whether it's true or not, maybe that's you. But can I just say this to you if you're thinking that way? Every person that you lock eyes with, including yourself when you look in the mirror, every person that you lock eyes with is someone whom Jesus died for. So you might look in the mirror and think that you don't have worth, and you might hear that from other people, but when Jesus looks at you, he thinks you are worth dying for. So try explaining that to him, that you don't have value, that you don't matter. And I'm just going to boldly say this tonight. Here at the living room, everyone matters. Everyone matters. Regardless of what your story says, regardless of what you currently believe, we'll get to that in just a second, everyone matters, period. Keep going in the story. Check this out. So he came down at once. Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I love this because Jesus never forces himself on anyone. Like Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house today. I want to pursue a relationship with you. But Zacchaeus had an option. He could have been like, no, no, Jesus, that's cool, but no thanks. He could have just been like, uh-uh. No, I, I just, he could have ignored him. But Zacchaeus welcomes him gladly. He's like, all right, come on, let's do this. All the people saw this. The crowd saw this. And they began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a, of a sinner? Like, like the people knew who Zacchaeus was. They knew that this was Jesus. And they're like, are you seeing this right now? Like Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They didn't even say Jesus has gone to be the guest of Zacchaeus. Jesus has gone to be the guest of this tax collector. No, they just said Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. A sinner. Like that Zacchaeus wasn't even a person. Like how could Jesus even look in his direction, let alone go and spend time with him, pursue a relationship with him? What? And in this moment, Jesus clearly shows us that everyone 
belongs. Everyone belongs. See, I think it's super important that you know here at the living room, you belong before you believe or even if you never do. You belong before you believe or even if you never do. The church, Buckhead Church, the living room, this is not a place, a country club for people that want to act like they have it all together. For them to act like they have all the answers together. That's not what this is. No, this is more like a hospital for the broken. For people that don't have it all together. For people that have questions. For people that have doubts. For people that struggle. You belong before you believe. Or even if you never do. Even if you keep coming for a year, two years, three years, your entire college career. And at the end of the day, you're like, I still don't know about this whole faith thing. I still have doubts. I still have questions. I'm still just, I'm not there yet. You belong. Everyone belongs. I love the end of this story. Check this out, verse 8. It says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Keep going. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And then he wraps it up like this. I love this. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So Zacchaeus gets up, and he's like, listen, Jesus, like, if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. He's like, I just want to make this right. And Jesus is like, that, that's good and all. I, I hear you, Zacchaeus. That's awesome. But it's not about that. It's not about your actions or what you have done, what you haven't done, what you're going to do now to make it right. He's like, no, no, no. What makes your, you right with God What saves you from your sins is your faith. It's your faith in a person named Jesus. And so he says, because of that, today, Zacchaeus, like this isn't just the starting point to where you have to go and do a whole bunch of things now. He says, no, today, right now in this moment, salvation has come to this house. Your sins are forgiven. And he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus didn't come to save people that want to act like they have it all figured out. He didn't come for the people that think they're perfect. No, he came for the broken. He came for the lost. He came for you. He came for me. And I love this story because you think about Zacchaeus and you're like, whoa. Like, in one day, like, he went from being a criminal, a crook, like, a hated person. And by the end of the day, like, he, He was saved. He had done a complete 180 in his life. He wasn't perfect, but he was on a total new trajectory in his life. How? I think the answer is is simple. It's an encounter with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus can, can, can change your life. It can completely turn you around. It can do a 180 in your life. And there are so many stories like this spread all throughout the scriptures. We read story after story just like this one with Zacchaeus. And this leads us to believe that everyone believes anything is possible. Here at the living room, this is what I love about you guys so much. Everyone believes that anything is possible. I love that we have so many people who come from different backgrounds and different upbringings because we have so many people in this room who are on all different spectrums of the faith journey. Like, there are people in here that, like, you were saved, like, out of the womb like you know you were born and immediately it's like you're in the church you grew up in the church you've been in the like that's just you and that's awesome I'm that's me in a way 
There's other people in here that maybe like your story's not quite like that. Like you didn't grow up in the church at all. Maybe you were in the church kind of off and on. Maybe you got burnt by the church. There's people from all different faith spectrums. You're all on different faith journeys. But I love that we come together on Monday nights here at the living room and everyone just believes that anything is possible, that God can do anything. Because isn't it true that if Jesus is alive, anything is possible? If Jesus is alive, if the tomb is empty, then anything is possible. No life is too far gone. No one's too far in the pit. Everyone believes anything is possible. Everyone matters. Everyone belongs. And everyone believes anything is possible. There's a story that I heard um, a couple weeks ago, and it's from a student that attends here at the living room named, named Ali or Aliana, and she's a sophomore at GSU. And this is, and hello, what up, Panthers? Thurs, go Thurs. Um, Thursday, I love that. Um, anyways, so this is her, her story, and I just want to read you kind of bits and pieces of it, but I think it's an incredible story for so many reasons, but one of the reasons I really love this story is because I think it shows the vision of the living room in full force, that everyone matters, Everyone belongs, and everyone believes anything is possible. So I'm just going to dive in. We're going to throw certain quotes up on the screens. Stick with me. This is her story. If I'm being honest, I live the college lifestyle. Every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I was at a party trying to get a high on life. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. After a while, though, I started to think to myself, there has to be more than, to life than my Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays. On March 28, 2017, just over a year ago, I received a devastating phone call from my mother. She had found an aneurysm next to her heart as she was also fighting congestive heart failure. And my grandmother found a tumor in her left leg, possibly causing her to have to amputate her leg. After that phone call, I didn't respond. I just dropped my phone and fell completely to the ground. I don't remember much, but feeling a hole in my heart. After all, these two women have sacrificed their lives for me and were my daily motivation to continue to work hard in school and at my job. Which by the way, I had lost my job the previous day prior to getting this news. I remember sitting in my room physically handicapped by the news I had just received. I sat there in a room almost as dark as my soul with no hope at all. And I just cried and screamed. Next thing I know, a walking miracle opened my door. It was my sweet friend, Paula. She questioned the noise that she heard out in the hallway while passing by. And while I was crying, I still find it crazy because she sat there for at least 20 minutes and just listened to what I had to say. She didn't interrupt, she didn't react, she didn't even judge me. She just listened. Everyone matters. And in the end, she responded as she grabbed my hand and said, Allie, we're going to get through this, but you have to be strong. But then she continued, Allie, I want you to come to this place called the living room. They have dinner and worship. I think it'll be a good thing 
for you. And I love that line because I just wonder how many of you have like invited someone to the living room or told them about it and you're like, hey, it's an awesome place. There, there, there's free dinner, Chick-fil-A. And they're like, okay, I'm sold, I'm in. <laughs> and that's awesome. I do that like all the time. I'm like, hey man, message will be okay, music, but there'll be really good barbecue and mac and cheese. I promise you that. So either way, and you might get leftovers. Anyways, I told her, I don't want to be around people who are going to judge me because that's what all church people do. I turned down the invitation. And then she replied, you don't have a choice. Get up and get dressed. I'll be back in five minutes to come get you for the shuttles. Every one belongs. So I got up, got dressed, walked to the shuttles and got on the bus. I walked into this place that they call the home away from home. As I walked through the doors during worship, I just felt like I could float in the sky. It literally felt like all the bricks I was trying to carry alone were just dropped off my shoulders. The words that were saying and spoken just seemed like new blood for my heart to pump. And the lights, the way they would go up and down at the right moments and along with the beat so perfectly, that was the hope that everything will beat along with life so perfectly. And it was hope that someone else was going to be able to take care of my problems that I was facing. The living room changed my life. From the beginning, I knew something was different at the surface of this building. And every week that I come back, I find out a little bit more, not only about myself and Jesus Christ, but the girl or guy I've passed by a hundred times in the plaza. We're all so different, but we're all loved by the same person. There was a person who knew we were worthy of dying for. He gives us love that we don't even deserve. Our sins are great, but his love is greater. If you were to tell the girl that walked into the living room, accessorized in nothing but fear and hopelessness, that she was going to begin a new chapter and become a part of the family that she thought was going to judge her the way church people normally do, she probably would have thought you were crazy. But she would have known you were crazy if you told her that she would become a strong, independent woman of Jesus Christ. A girl who now places her life in the hands of Jesus and walks every day without fear of the future? Oh, she would have known you were crazy. If I could go back on March 28th, 2017 to tell her anything, it would have been to trust in the love of Jesus. It's the greatest love you'll ever come to know. My parties are now on Monday nights. Come on. Everyone believes that anything is possible. And this is what I love, update on Allie's story. Uh, next Monday night, she and nine others are gonna take the step, their next step in their faith journey and be baptized. So Allie's getting baptized next week. That's pretty incredible. And in fact, Ali and her best friend Paula are here tonight in the room. I think they're over in this direction, maybe. Or Ali, there y'all are. Yeah, what's up, Ali and Paula? Give it up for them. Hey, everybody. Paula, why don't you stand too, Paula? Just stand. Just wave your hand. There we go. Give it up for Paula. That's incredible. So here's what I love. It's an amazing story. That's just one of so many stories. You're going to get to hear nine other stories just like that next Monday night. And I know there's so many other stories of you that are on that same path. Maybe you have a very similar story. A story that reflects the vision that everyone matters, everyone belongs, and everyone believes anything 
is possible, a home away from home. And it truly has blown me away over the past year, the way you guys have caught on to this vision. Like, I love you guys. I think about you guys all the time. Like, I pray for you guys. We talk about you guys. Like, people in this church are amazed. They're like, what is happening on Monday nights at the living room? Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but I just want to, this is like props to you guys. I'm not bragging. This is bragging on y'all. Like, a year ago at this time, we had about 150 people coming on a Monday night. A year later now, it's doubled. Some nights more than doubled. Like, that is incredible. That's amazing. So as many of you know, especially if you come like most Monday nights, you know that it gets a little bit tight in here, space-wise. Like, there are some Mondays where you're like, bro, it, it's so hot in here, and it smells terrible. Like, it really does. It's too tight. You know, like, I'm not feeling this. Like, there are some weeks when I come through, and I'm trying to, like, walk, and I'm like, so sorry, so sorry, so sorry, you know? Like, some weeks we have to remove the chairs, la- spring break party. It, yeah. Chairs wouldn't have worked. <laughs> that's, that's, you're good. <laughs> and so leadership at this church, like, has taken note, and we're like, hey, you know, this is pretty crazy what's happening here, but we're going to hit a lid pretty soon because... We can't fit that many more people in here. And so we knew that there were a couple other spaces at Buckhead Church where we could meet. One of them is the main auditorium. But the problem with that is, is if you've been here on a Sunday morning, you know that that space is like massive. Like that like seats like over 2,000 people. That's a little bit too big for where we're at right now. Okay, that's great. We could get there. I believe you. I have faith, but just baby steps. Okay, so, but there's another space on the second floor here at Buckhead Church as well that's just down the hall from the main auditorium and it's called the theater. And the theater is an amazing space that can fit about twice as many people as there are in this room. It can seat like five to 600. But the theater needed some renovations. It needed some updates. There was gonna have to be money that was gonna be poured into it. Some things were going to have to happen. But we went to leadership of this church and we asked them and they were on board and they were so for you guys. I wish I could have them all here and they could just tell you about how amazed they are at what is happening, what God is doing in and through you guys. So a couple weeks ago, I got an email, and it just said, theater update. And the update was, hey, Matt, um, thanks for bringing us all the information, the data, letting us know what's happening. God is truly doing some amazing things at the living room on Monday nights. And then it said, we just want to let you know that um, April 16th is your guys' last gathering of the semester in the spring, But it's also going to be your last gathering in the attic on the fourth floor at Buckhead Church because next fall, yeah, come on, because next fall at our fall kickoff on August 27th, we're moving into the theater. So we're super, super pumped for that. It's going to be ready to go. So we cannot wait. And the reason we can't wait is because, again, there are over 80,000 college students in the city of Atlanta within our reach. Many, many of them don't know the hope of Jesus. They don't know the love of Jesus. And I believe that here at the living room, this isn't a perfect place. Maybe this isn't a place for everyone, but I believe there are hundreds, if not thousands more of college students that we can reach, that we can go and we can bring them to this place and they can know the love and the hope that's found in a person named Jesus. So the theater is gonna give us space and room to do that. And we couldn't be more excited about what is to come. So as we close, I just have a challenge for you guys. And my challenge is this. Who is one person God has entrusted you to reach? Not your neighbor, not your friend. Who is one person that God has entrusted you to reach? Maybe it's your roommate. 
Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe it's your teammate. Maybe it's the person you sit next to in your biology lab. Maybe it's the person that you see like four times a week at Starbucks. Who's one person God has entrusted you to reach? Because reaching everyone begins with reaching one. Reaching everyone begins with reaching one. And we can never lose vision of that. And lastly, there's only one who has the power to reach everyone. There's only one who has the power to reach everyone. There's only one who can heal your broken heart. There's only one who can restore your shattered dreams. There's only one who can give you hope for a future. There's only one who knows every lie that you've been believing and he can speak truth over your life. He can turn down the lies. There's only one who can give you peace in the midst of an unshakable storm. There's only one who can bring together hundreds and hundreds of college-age students from all across Atlanta with all different backgrounds, and he can make this place feel like a home away from home where lives are being changed. There's only one who can do that, and his name is Jesus. He's the only one. So tonight, I would love for us just to stand in this moment all together, and I would love for you just to lock up with the people around you as a family would. And I'd love to invite the band out in this moment to lock up with us as well. And here's what I want this moment to be. I want this moment to be a day that we look back on maybe six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, maybe 10 years from now when some of you are like back visiting and you're like, wow, I remember on April 9th, 2018, when we locked up as one family with one vision and we prayed bold prayers so I just want to lead us in a bold prayer right now that God would continue to help us take new ground that he'd give us courage he'd help us to be bold to be brave so Jesus you're the name above every other name and God maybe there's someone in the room tonight that for the first time in their life they feel like their heart is pumping new fresh blood and it's you, Jesus, it's you. You're knocking on the door of their heart. Maybe tonight would be the night that they would let you in and they would tell someone that. And Jesus, we just wanna stop and pause and reflect for a moment and say thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Lord, it doesn't feel adequate. It doesn't feel like it's enough, but thank you. And God, for a moment, we just wanna imagine and dream about what's to come. God, we believe that you want to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so, God, we ask that you would do more. Would you do more? And, God, would you give us courage to go? Would you give us courage to be brave, to be bold, to trust you in the midst of the good times and the bad? And, Lord, we, we thank you in advance for the miracles that you're going to do. We thank you for your overwhelming, your never-ending, your reckless love that you have for every single person in this room tonight, Lord. And we thank you for this place, the living room, a home away from home, where so many college-age students can come to know the love that you offer. It's in your mighty, victorious name that we pray tonight. Amen.